When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to Thursday evening here at KLRN, your early introduction to the weekend. And this is your foray into the dark side of Hollywood. This is Disasters in the Making. I'm Brad Slager, entertainment writer with a number of outlets. Joining me as we escort you into the swampland of cinema, another entertainment writer from ScreenRant.com is Paul Young. What's going on, Paul? Oh, not too much, Brad. Just over here jamming out to my Hot Wheels Monster Trucks, Monster Trucks live theme song <laughs> that we opened with. Well, yes, of course. We 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 have to do that because of the uh well, we'll get into why. But the There's album the title album or the title of the album says the music of the Hot Wheels Monster Trucks. Like there is a lot of description wait, <laughs> inside wait, wait. this song. There's an entire album. I thought it was like a theme song to a cartoon or something. I thought it was a cartoon as well. I don't know if it was a cartoon. I mean, it's got lyrics. Somebody wrote lyrics for this thing. I don't see who wrote them. It just <laughs> says the it says the artist is Hot Wheels Monster Trucks, as if the trucks themselves were both writing and performing. I think this is like when you see the Real Housewives or some of those other reality shows, and there's always one character that thinks they're going to break into the music business as well. I mean, it's not an unpopular song. It's 445,000 plays of this thing. I've never heard of it. We, we, I picked it for a specific reason based on the movie we're discussing tonight because and, and the ridiculousness of it all. But now I'm super, I'm super wondering about this thing. It came out in 2021. Maybe this is somebody's <laughs> COVID project. <laughs> okay. Wow. I, yeah. I'm not aware of any of this taking place <laughs> and it says it's there's this must be some sort of compilation album because it says hot wheels monster trucks smash hits so that means that this is all their hit songs oh there the greatest be, hits there must be b-sides to this thing <laughs> yes <laughs> we have to do like some deep cuts into the hot wheels music catalog i guess wow bigfoot's That's... got his themes his own theme song here comes the crush Race Ace, I don't know who that is, but he's got a TM next to his name. 
Challenge accepted. <laughs> Live fast and crush hard. <laughs> wow. I might put this on play. I'm going to put this on Apple Play on my way to work later. You uh, you go with your bad self. Wow. That's, I, can prom- uh, I make this promise to you right now that if I'm able to find a physical copy of this, you will receive it for Christmas. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... <laughs> I'm on tinter hooks over here now. Wow. No gut, no guts, no glory, Brad, which is also the title of song number 11. I was going to say, I hope that's one of the tracks. Yes. <laughs> oh, maybe we should have played dropping like a bomb. That would have made more sense for this particular film. <laughs> Yeesh. Well, this movie had a, this movie, the movie we're talking about tonight had some, some major issues, continues to have major issues. Yeah, so what we decided to do, uh, because the DC universe is extending and expanding as Black Adam arrives in theaters. And Ordy and I talked about this on our uh, Culture Ship program last week, where it's getting mixed approval, mixed, <laughs> mixed reviews and such. Some people are raving about it. Some say it's a mess. Many are saying... It's kind of screwed up, but at the same time, watchable fun. And clearly DC is attempting to use this to springboard into other venues in their DCU, as it's being dubbed. So it looks like, once again, they've maybe messed up a bit like they did with Justice League. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. There are 5,000 plus audience reviews for the black adam it has a 90 percent audience score there are only 242 critical critic reviews and critics at this point are just labeled as people who have the ability to submit a review to rotten tomatoes it's not necessarily they're they're all most of them are bloggers Mm -hmm. you know the the day of the professional movie critic where they trained for it and came out of it or has long been forgotten i mean thanks to blogs like screen rant and uh, collider and slash you've ruined collider. things paul you ruined. I know i know but we've stopped being able to look at movies uh from all angles and that's uh, that, we we used to get on ebert for that right he, he used to take he gave scott pilgrim a half a star or kick-ass half a star and we're all like everybody's like what these are great movies we, we these movies are fun and we have become what that which we hate when it becomes the movie reviews. So 242 <laughs> people have given this thing a 40% rating is essentially what it's gotten. So everybody's like, oh, it's a it's a critical failure. Well, you know what? It, it's the top grossing movie for this past week. It's it's more than going to make its money back. I went to go see it with both of my kids this past weekend. And yes, it is flawed in the way it tells its story. It is flawed in the way uh, the Rock portrays his character. He's not get honestly, he's not given enough to do. If you can believe that, he's just basically standing there looking stoic. It's put huh. him on some put him on some boots and put him in the square ring, and uh, he could be playing a character from his WWE days. Is essentially what it is. But they surround him with likable characters. Uh, Hawkman and Doctor Fate were more than fun to watch. Uh, I enjoyed Cyclone. She is she is by far the prettiest manifestation of superpowers ever put on screen. And even though Adam mm. Smasher isn't given much to do, he's pleasant and likable. 
there's a guy I follow on YouTube. His name is Critical Drinker. Uh, you ever you ever watched any of his videos? Um, seen a couple, yeah. I I like them. He's pretty straightforward and honest about his stuff. And he gives the best review of it by labeling it as just an okay movie. And he's not wrong. It's an okay movie. And sometimes when you go in to watch a comic book film, that's all you want. You just want an okay movie. I want to be entertained. Right. That's and it. I think that's kind of what we, that was our conclusion the other night when we were doing this. It's like everything was kind of like, mm, ah, eh, worth a watch. <laughs> that yeah, was basically I, the summation of it all. I think really what's working against it, though, is that DC has built up so much into this film, like to become a pathway into other expanded universe. Like you mentioned all these other characters now that can be given movies down the road as a result. I, and I think they've already tabbed Black Adam and Superman to be together in a film. Has that been un, officially announced? Yeah, the movie's been out for, what, two weeks now? So I would assume we're outside the realm of spoilers. And most of that's been spoiled anyway. There's an end credit scene where Superman walks up and says to Black Adam, we need to talk, and then the movie stops. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much it. You're not missing anything. And Henry Cavill's already come out and said he's re he's playing, revising his role in Man of Steel 2. So, you know, that's not a surprise. And Superman shows up at the end of Shazam, you know, and that's been out for two or three years, so... You know, and, and I'm okay with that. I think that DC would be better served playing off the Superman world, bringing in Shazam and Black Adam and pushing them all together as opposed to what they did with the Justice League. Uh, and really, WB's just been a hot mess, bro. They've been a hot mess in the movie industry ever since uh, Batman and Robin came out, a movie that we, you and I eviscerated oh, a yeah. couple of years ago. And, and they just... I mean, they've always done Batman fairly well. I haven't watched the new Brooding Batman. Is that what it's called? Brooding Batman? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I actually liked that movie, though. It was. Did uh, you? We never got a chance to watch it because I don't have three hours to devote to it. Well, the thing is that it's... Um, I, the reason I like it is because it was the way it was shot. It's true film noir. It's not Zack Snyder putting seven filters on the camera. This is actually shading and shadowing and you know lighting metaphors and stuff of that nature and that's that came through it wasn't about patterson at all it's all about the direction for me i thought it was pretty good well done i'll say really? and it's just it's just different than the rest of the batman movies you're familiar with so and they've always done a good job with with the grounded heroes you know mm -hmm. batman a, joker's not a hero but I, I think they did a really good job with um uh Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, they did a good job telling that story in a new and a fresh way. You know, I think, it, did it make like a billion dollars? I mean, it was super popular. Yeah, that thing was stupid successful. And, and now they're going to ruin it by putting in, uh, what's Meat Dress's name? Ooh la la, wah wah wah, monster. Oh, you're talking about Taika Watuta? Watuta? No, the... the <laughs> The singer for the entire gay community. I can't remember her name. Lady Gaga. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Lady Gaga is coming in, and she's playing Harley Quinn. And I'm just like, oh. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, maybe, look, look, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt until I see her on screen, but it doesn't doesn't lend itself well to, you know, being awesome. It's not a draw, is what you're saying. No, I don't see it as a draw, because... Harley Quinn is is being played very well currently by Margot Robbie. 
I love her depiction of it, even in the very, very, very terrible Birds of Prey movie. <laughs> and by the well, way, this this should explain to you how critic reviews have com completely lost touch with everything when it comes to comic book movies, where they they highlight movies that should not deserve highlighting, and they push down movies that deserve to be pushed up, because they rate Birds of Prey about 20 points higher than Black Adam. Mm, that seems... And Birds of Prey was garbage, hot garbage wrapped in an egg sandwich eaten by a hyena. Yeah, that, that was a tough watch. I've watched it, and I don't even have much retention of it, outside of the fact that throughout the film I was saying, this is not good. That's that's my primary memory of it. But Margot Robbie is great in it. Well, that's she, the thing. is She she does the character well. It's oh, just yeah, a does. mess of a film. It's like, what what is going on? Why am I watching this? Why is this happening? What have I done with my life to lead to these decisions? You know, that's kind of what the movie evokes from the individual. But... <laughs> But they're just DC's just struck DC and WB. They've been struggling for years, man. I mean, well, at, on that theme, the yeah, look at the movie we're talking <laughs> about tonight. Exactly. So, as we like to try to do on this show, is tie in our choice of title with what's taking place in theaters and or in the news or you know natural disasters or like last week with Halloween. So, with Black Adam coming out, we decided to dip into the DC pool, and we went. Really into the, well, not the pool, but the cesspool. As we're going to cover Green Lantern, the oh Ryan gosh. Reynolds it's been a spin. long time coming. So we here's covered a Jonah Hex before we covered this. Well, yeah, this, but this one was due. This one was sitting on the shelf, just kind of flashing a little green light saying, do me. And it's kind of <laughs> time for it. So here's a question for you, Paul. Shoot. How many comic book characters has Ryan Reynolds played? Five. All right, let's hear him. I don't know. I just, I said a number. Oh. Let's see. Uh, he played, and he was one of the, one of the guys in Blade Trinity. Played, he yep. played a character in that. He played Deadpool in the Wolverine movies. He's played Deadpool himself. Uh, he played Green Lantern, and he has played... There's another one. It's probably closer to seven, but I think it's I think it's five. And there's one I'm missing. Well, this is there is one you're missing. He was in R.I.P.D. That's right. That's the one we we've talked about that one too. Yeah, that one that one's probably going to need to get our scalpel treatment as well. That that is that is Dude, not a no. that movie's getting a sequel. Stop it. <laughs> it was announced last week. Get, wait, huh? Yeah, R.I.P.D. sequel. No, the the sequel nobody asked for, and who's starring in it? Jeffrey Donovan, Richard Fleischman, Tilly Kepper, Jake Choi. You know who Jake Choi is, right? No. Jake Choi from um, Single Parents. He played the single guy with a with a little baby. Yeah, I don't know why anybody's asked for this movie. They're making I, it though. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I haven't like you haven't said a single name that made me go oh okay him. Dude, no, there's already what? a trailer for it. Nobody even knew it was being filmed. The trailer dropped about like last week or something. Is this going to be on like one of the streaming services? Yeah, here's one of the titles from Gizmodo. So uh, R.I.P.D. suddenly has a sequel. <laughs> they, they made this in secret. 
I don't even know if I'd say it was in secret. It was probably made in apathy. Oh, it's even better. <laughs> People said, we're making a sequel of this. Like, are you now? Okay. Um, I think the 7-Eleven's open. You want to go get a drink? Like, that would be the reaction. Wouldn't even have any retention in anybody's memory. Wow. Yeah, so that's – that's Ryan has been trying to actually latch on, it seems like, into the comic sphere, and I think he finally, of course – Oh, don't forget about Paper Man. So six. Paper Man. Mm-hmm. Played a character called Paper Man. It was a superhero, a fake superhero that nobody had heard of before, but it, it, he was a superhero. Okay. Well, I don't think it counts as a comic book movie, though, does it? Is there a comic of that character? Yeah, uh, let's see. Paper Man... Oh, yeah, it's a 2009 movie, so it came out a long time ago. Oh, not even familiar with this in any capacity. Yeah, it's got Michelle Maroney in it. Well, this uh, this fiasco, and I think that's being generous, was one of DC's attempts to launch a universe. Um, they had ideas that this was both going to be a franchise and develop other projects off of it this thing had been in the works for something like 14 or 15 years and the sheer amount of screenplays they went through before they landed on this they started yeah. this they pit this was pitched in 1997 did you see who one of the screenwriters had been kevin smith right didn't they approach him about it and he said no well, he was like the first one they went to. But at some point, they had hired and actually received a script from Robert Smigel. The dude from uh, SNL? Triumph the Insult Dog. Wow. He wrote a script. They wanted they wanted a comedic action film. So that's what they went. And then they just said, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. And then I think they've had two or three other scripts after that. And they said, okay. Um, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. And they keep altering and keep changing, and all these various names were attached. And I think when they finally roped Ryan Reynolds in, that's when, like, things got real. Okay, now we got to do it. This is going to be a surefire hit. Yeah, but Martin Campbell, the director, didn't even want Ryan Reynolds as the character. He wanted Bradley Cooper, and the studio <laughs> wouldn't pay for him. They're like, they wouldn't even approach him about the project. So I guess Reynolds has come out since saying that he was glad that there's not been a sequel to the film because he hated the movie and the character so much and the experience, well, not the character, but he had hated the experience of working with Campbell so much uh, that he's glad he doesn't have to do it again. I doubt you ever see him work with Campbell again. That's how bad his situation was, the experience. He even claimed to have never watched the movie. I don't, I don't blame him. Like when the, you know, it had come out, he was very lukewarm about it, but it was like seven or eight years later, he was he sat down to do a, a Twitter thread, you know, like a live tweet of him watching. He's like, I've never seen this. The first time I've seen this movie and I'm, I'm going to have the experience wash over me with you. folks. <laughs> and he said that even at the time. And this was I don't know how many years ago he did this, but he said, apparently this is about the only comic book movie you can't stream anywhere. Because he was going to tell people to watch, like, so you can't really watch it with me unless you already own it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how bad it is. I mean, now it's parked over at, I think HBO Max. 
Yeah, that's why I watched it. That's that's where you can currently stream. I happen to have this on the hard drive, so I was able to pull it up and watch it myself. So, a buddy, a longtime buddy of mine from Screen Rant, who's no longer there, he's moved he's moved on to other pastures. But uh, Kofi Outlaw, great writer, great guy, good reviewer. I still trust his his takes on things. I remember when Screen Rant had a staff of about nine or ten people. That was it. It was in 2011 when this movie came out. We had 10, maybe 11 at most. And now we have hundreds of writers. But uh, I remember Kofi dropping a dropping something in our email chain thread that we had. And he's like, just finished watching Green Lantern. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm so pissed off. I'm going to go write the review right now. His first his first line is, it's the only line in the first first paragraph. Green Lantern is a failure of epic proportions. Then he proceeds to give it one and a half stars all the way through. And he is just tearing it apart. And he's not wrong in it. He's not wrong in his review. You can you can find it. I, I've linked it in one of my tweets. You can find his review on that. And it's he's a really good writer and he's done he's done this whole thing an injustice, which it deserves. But, he, <laughs> but he's right. It is a it's a failure on on all counts. It's poorly written, it's poorly executed. There are there are times and places in the film where some things matter, some things don't. For the most part, you you end up watching the film and going, meh, why do I care? Well, yeah, and then I think Reynolds even mentioned at some point in time that they they were basically shooting this without a script. Wow. So not and maybe not without a script, but they kept reworking it and kept changing things and kept doing something different here or and he said that, you know, basically they, you've got the property and you've got the people, but you don't have the foundation to work off of. And that's what led to a lot of this. They probably just figured there's all of this Green Lantern history to pull from the comic books and we can rely on it and we'll get something out of it. But without any kind of sensibility behind what you're doing, well, this is what you're going to end up with. <laughs> and just to, just to throw in my impression of things, the start of things feels like something that would have been better suited in a second film. Because yes. we begin with this broad universe that's taking place, not with an individual who we eventually get to and then eventually get to his origin story. We start with action and activity that takes place in space regarding multiple universes you're like wait a second did i miss like an entire <laughs> franchise or something what the hell and it, it's so broad and so expansive that you have nothing to really focus on not even a little bit it, and you, you don't even understand what it is that you're seeing it, you just see a spaceship crashing on a planet that you're on. Oh, it's not even our moon. It's, I mean, it'd be, make more sense if it was our moon. At least we have something, a point of reference. But the, the trailers for this thing absolutely ground it on the planet Earth. So you walk mm -hmm. into this thing not understanding this third-tier character, which is still considered third-tier. You got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. After that, you would have the Flash, Aquaman, and then far behind would be Green Lantern. Green Lantern would basically be the Hawkeye of the situation, right? It would have been better off making a show for him and letting him bleed into a movie. But nobody really understands the character. 
But making things even more muddled for the audience is that we rather quickly get the impression that there's not Green Lantern, but scores and scores of Green Lanterns. So we're all tens of thousands. Yeah, it's just it's like a Green Lantern army, planet, whatever takes place. I mean, it is that huge. You're like, what in the hell? So then they come up with this concept that something called Parallax is out there. And it is an entity of which they don't explain. Motivation, existence, all of it is nothing. It's a very bad thing that emerged from this realm of Green Lanterns. And so they outcast it basically imprisoned it on this remote planet because it was so bad. Why not kill this damn thing? <laughs> why would you, why Why would you just place it somewhere underground, subterranean on another planet instead of just vanquishing it? Get rid of the damn thing. No, we'll, we'll put it down there and uh, deal with it later. So this, this parallax thing is contained let's say then there's some aliens we have no idea who they are that crash their spaceship on a planet we have no idea what it is we don't even know who they are yeah it's there's no we have no concept of what this what's going on but they're they're radioing for help they're walking across the planet and they fall through a sinkhole of sorts develops how why? What led to this? No explanation given, but they fall into the presence now of Parallax. And Parallax says, I can feed on your fear. And then yellow streams come out of these figures. He consumes, I guess, their fear. They die. And this gives it the power to escape from whatever bonds it was in in the subterranean area. That's all it took. <laughs> And see, and the, the, problem, the problem with the Parallax is that the, we had just had Fantastic Four Silver Surfer come out where they had created this giant, massive cloud of destruction in the form of Galactus destroying worlds. And then Parallax comes out, and he's a massive cloud of destruction ready to, to devour our world. And then later in Doctor Strange, we get another giant cloud from Dumar, Dumar, Dumarmo, Dumarmo, whatever, Dumarmo Key, I don't know who it is. He's, he's a giant cloud of destruction. Like, it's, it's a, people make fun of it now. If you can't take your villain and put it into some sort of host form to where we have the ability for the hero to play off of the villain, or, you know, the protagonist and the antagonist, well, then you're not really trying to develop a villain at all that they need somebody to, to bounce off of. That's the way stories work. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that. Parallax in the comics is actually just this big yellow dragon that lives inside the yellow battery. That's the nerdiest thing I've ever said. And we talk about <laughs> a lot of stuff. But he has the ability to take over a host. And that's what they did with Peter Sarsgaard, is he was supposed to be the host, but they never really fully allowed it to happen. So all we get is this big-headed giant it's Dude. like in a it's an amorphous cloud of evil, yeah. I guess is what it is. And like every so often a face will appear. And this is how bad it got. The toy line for this movie has a parallax. No. It's 
I don't know. I remember it in stores. Oh my gosh. Like, you're, oh, you're right. It was about six inches long. It looked like yellow phlegm with a face and maybe some arms. You're right. And that's probably what you're going to get for Christmas. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> this was, and I mean, you looked at it on the shelf and like, what, what child would this appear to? And like, the, they would say that, oh, mommy, I got to get one of those. No, that, no, <laughs> it would never happen. No kid is going to say, gosh, I got to grab that off the shelf now before some other six-year-old sees my evil phlegm plastic being. But this, all of this is unfurled in front of us now. This world with all these Green Lanterns, this evil entity, these aliens we don't know about who've now died and freed Parallax. This all takes place in about two minutes. We have no idea what's going on, and already we don't care. But now we're back on this planet of the Green Lanterns, and they're worried that Parallax has gotten out. Now, there's one, I guess, he's like the lead Lantern or the veteran. I, don't, I wasn't really sure. Sinestro? A no, no, Aben Sir. He was oh, kind of, uh, he kind of like the motivation of protagonists storyline green lantern in all of this well aben sir has a he's this that's how it happened in the comics he he died during a battle with something i don't know who it was and his ring went and selected somebody hal jordan is who it is right and and we keep you know after the fact we keep hearing about aben sir it's like he was the greatest fighter of you as a human are not him you know that kind of oh yeah nonsense but Aben Sir, um, he's in this very weird-looking spaceship. It's kind of like a 40-story tall, not length, but upright spaceship. Here's a problem. Throughout the movie, we see both Hal Jordan and the numerous other Green Lanterns traversing the cosmos in like a green cloud they just you know hold their ring up and then boom they could shoot to another planet they can go from their planet to earth he gets sucked from earth to their planet so why does Aben Sur have a spaceship so that is a good question and it's actually one that the movie makers did not create themselves so back in the silver age of comics during this the, the whole silver age when this stuff was going down uh they actually didn't have a spaceship for Aben Sir. Uh, but later in the modern age, they gave him a spaceship and they had, to, they had to like explain it so that he didn't use all of the ring's power because the, the ring loses power at some point, but they only really described that in the movie once or twice. The ring loses power as the more you use it and then you have to recharge it. So for long trips, he needed a spaceship. So the, I don't hmm. blame the movie creators on this one. That, that's something that, that, that they were handed and had to do something with. And they knew that that was going to come. They even talk about it in some of the interviews that you see from like Comic Cons of that year, the prior <laughs> year in 2010, and asked them how they were going to address that. And they're like, uh, we're not going to address it. We're just going to kind of mimic it. <laughs> and that's, that's what they did. Take our word for it. Filmmaking. <laughs> okay. yeah, exactly. I, I don't feel bad for not understanding that part, but. Um, Aben Sir is out floating around in space and he's escaping from Parallax. Parallax now is after him. And 
starts to get the drop on him. Gets, I guess he wounds Aven, sir, but Aven traverses through his ship. He gets an escape pod of sorts, bursts through space, and crash lands on the planet Earth. Cut to Earth now. On a king mattress somewhere in California. Hal Jordan's head pops up next to a comely blonde woman wrapped up in the sheets and says, oh, gosh, I got to get out of here. He's in a hurry. He's in a rush. He's late for work. Late for a very important date. And um, and the he, way he puts his head on her shoulder, you think, oh, they've been dating for a while. Nope. 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 She... Uh, she she was a Tinder date of sorts, and he tells her, yeah, make yourself a comfortable. You'll probably find some uh, water in the tap. Yeah, there's water in the tap. That was oh about the only true comedic line in this film, I think. But, but the the what doesn't make sense, right? They're, they're clearly trying to describe him as a womanizer. But then later in the movie, he's with his now future, his now wife, uh, Blake Lively. They met on this film. Now they have three, they got married the next year and they have three kids together, still together. So at least something good came from this film. Mm-hmm. But like during the rest of the movie, him and, and uh, what's her name in the movie? Uh, she Carol is, Ferris. Yeah, she's the daughter of the space or the flight agency. So he's out sleeping around with random women, but he's like still in love with her or something. Well, I think they have a, a work relationship, almost like work husband and wife, you know, because they fly together. And then she got elevated into. Well, she makes the statement later. I, I've exactly. seen you naked. Mm-hmm. They clearly slept together. Well, I didn't know if that's what it meant, or if they had like grown up together, like they've known each other that long. I don't know. She's just like, I've seen you naked. I've now she ad libbed that line. So at that point, I'm sure she, they've been dating. So I'm sure she had seen him naked. Probably. But I, I only say that because there was there was that one party scene where, uh, you know, like Tim Robbins was talking with the the CEO of Ferris Industries, and he was making it sound like everybody's a family. So it's like Hal Jordan and his dad flew for Carl Ferris and Carol Ferris and Senator Hammond has Hector Hammond as a son now getting in the, you know, it, was, it seemed like there was some kind of familial connection before the romance i don't know this is where my mind went because i didn't want to focus on the damn movie so he turns out to be a hot shot test pilot basically hal jordan is maverick Hmm. you know without the gum chewing one of the best pilots out there who can't follow the rules and there you go now you've got them already. So their job, Hal and Carol, as test pilots, are to outmaneuver the brand new drone technology fighters that this company's developing. At every test before now, the drones keep winning. So they think they've hit upon it, but they want one more test. They want the human element to put them through the paces and see. So... Hal Jordan, being basically Maverick, breaks the rules. So he climbs up past the approved ceiling altitude. The drones stall out. He stalls out, but as he's falling down, he gets the drop on him. 
effectively killing him, but then he has to bail out before crashing the plane himself. This kills the entire project. But not, but not really. Well, that's the thing, though. He gets called to the carpet. He's getting reprimanded. You're fired. We lost the contract. This is a billion-dollar governmental contract for Ferris, and all of the other tests have been great. But then they bring in this one hotshot jackass who breaks the rule one time, and that scuttles the entire business relationship. I don't think it works that way, really. No, you... Uh... It's the poorly written first act. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's this... all it is is setup. the 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 whole The whole first act is just, you know, pre premeditation. No, that's not right. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing, premonitions. Supposedly, like him, like him playing with the Hot Wheels track, and then the guy saying, "I'm gonna have to lay everybody off." He's like, "You've screwed us, dude." And he, I don't even know who you are. Yeah, like, Thanos, like Thanos, I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, it's just some dude I'm supposed to care about suddenly in an office. I, it's just that's one of my favorite Don Draper lines too. It's like I feel so much pity for you. It's like I don't even think about you. I don't even think <laughs> about you. Yeah, but that's how this that's how this this whole scene plays out. Is sure that the flight scenes and him being chased and that, that's fun. It's it's a, it's a fun scene. It's well done. I enjoyed it. But the scene afterwards with all the exposition, it's, it's nonsense. There's like 12 people in a room, and I don't only I only know of two of them. How am yeah. I supposed to suddenly, as a, as a viewer, recognize who all the rest of these people in this room are? And they all have lines. Like, they're supposed to all be important. It'd be different if they were like extras in the background or just standing there kind of doing stuff. But the, these are key characters that come back into play multiple times throughout the film, and I've given no introduction to them at all. No, no, we're, uh, you know, we just have to play catch up. <laughs> fill, in the, the, fill in the spaces, as it were. So, so he's uh, fired. You can't fire me. I quit. No, no. Shut up, dude. Let them fire you. Get the severance package. <laughs> Come on. Do it right. And this is the part that I didn't understand at all. Now, he's got a nephew who's having a birthday party. You know, after he's ejected successfully from the plane, landed, gotten fired, he's now driving to this party while wrapping a gift with newspaper and scotch tape that he happens to have in his car. Because, of course, every test pilot has a roll of scotch tape in his 1973 Dodge Challenger. Sure. And but this is what doesn't make sense, right? They make it seem like he's headed to that party right now. Mm -hmm. But he's headed to work. Well, yeah, he's he's wrapping it in a rush in order to go do his test pilot run. And then after the test pilot run, he's going to the birthday party. But by the time he gets to the party, news of the crash. hits the news. <laughs> it's on the televisions at the party. And I didn't understand this at all. It, you know, his brothers are the ones hosting the party. So they're all mad at him when he shows up. Yeah, I didn't. There's Why? All this family drama, and it's never addressed again. Like, he walks in the door, and he's like, sorry, guys, it was a tough day at work. And they're like, was it Hal? Was it Hal? Oh, really? And his one brother's, like, leaning into him until he's just like, I'm done with you. And he goes outside in the backyard. It's like, dude, he almost died today. Aren't you, like, happy he showed up? 
all because his dad passed away and his his dad didn't even die in a plane crash. That's what doesn't make that's what makes zero sense. Like he didn't just become a test pilot today and decide he was going to do it. He's been you, you go into the test pilot program. You're there for years before you become a test pilot. You have to prove yourself an actual worthy pilot. So mm. he's not just uh, one of my really good friends from back when I was in my early 20s, before I was even married, was a test pilot for the Marines. I think I've sent you pictures of him before. Uh, right. Firing a, a Sidewinder missile upside down, inverted during a test scene in front of a bunch of brass and trade mags. And when they asked him uh, why he decided to fire invertedly, he's like, well, nobody told me I couldn't. That's what you do as a test pilot. They tell you what you can do. If they tell you you can't do it, if they don't tell you you can't do it, it's assumed that you can't do it. You have to say what you can and can't do. And when they asked him, well, do you think you'll ever need to fire a missile upside down? He's like, I don't know, but now I know we can do it. It's, yeah. That's that's yes. their whole attitude. So sure. he he's walking into his family to talk to this stuff. They know he's a test pilot and that he pushes the limits, and that's the point. Yeah, and it's all this family tension is going on. I mean, like the one brother is like livid. Like, I can't believe you wouldn't even show up. And his other brother's like, you know, it's kind of your fault, Hal. You kind of brought this on yourself. And then he goes upstairs to meet his nephew, who's like sitting on the bed sullen during his birthday party. It's like, did we miss a whole raft of backstory here? So what is going on in this household? We have everybody's pissed off at an 11 year old's birthday party. <laughs> no one knows why. And the 11 year old, the 11 year old is in the room by himself. Like none of the yeah. other parents or the, the aunts and uncles are in there with him. He's not hanging out with the kids. He's just sullen that his debt, that his other uncle almost got into a plane crash, but survived. Yeah. All, like all the kids are in the backyard playing, having a blast with the clown and what have you. And he's up in the room. And he's like, <laughs> I'm kind of mad that you survived. <laughs> what? And I, I'm trying to figure out where the, yeah, you're right. I'm trying to figure out where the anger comes from because like my grandfather passed away when my dad was 16 years old. So I've never known him. He died of heart disease. I'm, I'm not mad at my brother. If he eats a hamburger. Yeah, and the dad is, I guess, supposedly really connected with the company. Now, the way his crash worked, he was taking off. There was engine failure right when he's lifting off. The plane then does a belly flop on the tarmac, comes skidding to a stop, and young Hal was there at the time, goes running up to see if his dad's okay, and then the plane just arbitrarily blows up as he's getting out of the cockpit. Yeah, it didn't crash. Like, he he, he unstrapped, was yeah, stepping he, out. He, he wasn't like takes, even telling his son to stay away. He takes his helmet off and he's almost smiling. He's like, Whoa, that could have been bad. Hey, what's going on, son? Kaboom. Yes. And here's what's weird. I didn't understand this at all. When Hal Jordan was going through his free fall right before he ejected, you know, they're keep barking orders at him. It's like, come on, you got to eject. You're getting down too low. You're hitting your floor. And his plane starts to spin a little bit and he's having these flashbacks as he's crashing with his dad's accident. Martin Gamble, the director did not want to do that at all. And the studio forced that on him. Yes. He said I, that, that it, it was not part of the original edit and they edited all that in there on him. And that was a bad move. WB. 
but why? I mean, I didn't see that as a problem with this movie. Like no, they, the flashbacks during his crash, but that kind of made sense actually. But I don't know. It it didn't work because it was it didn't. I think it didn't work because in the next what? scene that we're talking about here with the eleven year old birthday party, I think it might have worked better had they not done that flashback and used it as actual exposition. They used the flashback to tell parts of the story while they were telling another part of the story. And it became yeah, and confusing. Maybe if he was driving to the party and had the flashback on the road, I don't, but it, I didn't see it as like a flaw. It wasn't as if like people were pointing at the flashback scene as a big problem with this movie. Oh, hell no. Not by a long shot. <laughs> or better yet. What if they had used the flashback scene while he was driving to, to the job or be, or even better, he's standing in front of the locker and he's reminiscing about how the day that his dad passed before he goes and gets in this plane to go into a in an experimental plane crash. Well, I couldn't do that, Paul, because we had to have the quick-witted banter about him taking his pants off in front of his co-pilot. Yeah, after he left the girl with tap water. Yeah, so that there was no room for drama right then. <laughs> but um, so Hal exits this really fun birthday party but goes back out to his car. Now, even Sir has since crashed, and he's, I don't know, in a swamp somewhere. And he starts talking to his ring. Go find him. Go find my replacement. I don't even know if he was in a swamp. He says he's in a swamp, but it looked like he was like... Or on the edge of a lake. I don't know, something. San Francisco Bay. Maybe. Yeah, it, it was unclear, but also unnecessary to be clear he just crashed that's all you need to know paul so get over it so the green light tiny little orb exits the spacecraft and shoots across the landscape at breakneck speed to where hal jordan is about to get into his car falls upon him encapsulates him in a green orb at which point he starts to levitate then starts to traverse and then starts firing at blistering speed back across the landscape now this picks him up at about three o'clock in the afternoon i'm guessing and by the time they get to the spaceship a couple seconds later it's nighttime it's a long way away so i don't know if like <laughs> there was no segue or anything it's like <laughs> uh, 8 p.m wait what <laughs> this thing crashed in his neighborhood how far did you travel but anyway Brings him to the spaceship, to which he's momentarily befuddled by what he sees, but then springs into action to pull a purple alien out of it, because of course. And then he calls his best friend for help. (laughs) I got this thing, you got to come get me. And he calls his best friend for help, knowing that his best friend was on the other side of the world, and he drove a Jeep there and gets yeah. Uh, yeah, it had to be in the same location or close to the same location. It doesn't pass that many buildings. Yeah, because Ryan Reynolds, you know, shot across the urban landscape in a matter of seconds. So he couldn't have been that far away for a guy in his Jeep Wrangler to get there in five minutes. But he does. Um, Even Sir expires, gives him the ring, and then they pluck the green lantern out of the spacecraft just 
as we see nefarious helicopters on the horizon. So nobody has seen this thing crash for hours and hours, and all of a sudden the military's hip to a crash site with an alien. That's it. we got to get out of here before they see us. It's like, dude, you left the headlights on. I think they already saw you. <laughs> they Don't cut the lights, whatever you do. So they leave. Every They must have had the same stunt driver throughout this film, too, because whenever there's a car scene, it is always tires spinning in first gear and fishtailing going on no matter what the vehicle is so it was the dodge challenger it was the jeep everything is just the cars are just sliding all over the place wherever they're driving whatever yeah. they're but they uh the jeep actually does escape the uh the helicopters at which point in time um mr reynolds is at his apartment pops on the ring and I guess intuitively starts to understand how to be a Green Lantern. Like it says that you have to. He, even Sir, before he dies, says you have to say the oath. And so he's like, uh, but he never I, told him. Yeah, he never told him what the oath was. He just says, "I, Hal Jordan, do yeah. solemnly swear." And then he says, "By the power of Gray Skull," and he did a couple of other. None of it works. And then all of a sudden he just kind of like falls into a trance. His eyes turn green and he utters the oath automatically. The darkest light and the night is night. The women's right house are tight. I don't, I don't know what the whole phrasing is. I could never be Green Lantern. Yeah. It's like brightest day, darkest night, whenever evil appears and pretty pedestrian stuff, but. I mean, it's straight from the comics. It's, oh, yeah, definitely. And is. in the comics, it probably makes more sense. You can do whatever you want to when you're reading and stuff, so that when you try to manifest but, that, it doesn't always work. That's probably one of the biggest problems with this movie is that everything is on based on the faith that the audience has already read scores of Green Lantern comic books and understands what's going on already, so they didn't have to explain it. And that's a lot of faith to be hanging on a $200 million budget production budget movie. <laughs> uh, man, this is, um, and most of that, most of that budget goes into the CG and the, po and at the time in 2011, they were still on this big, uh, post avatar post production 3d conversion kick where they thought yeah. we can charge, we can upcharge and people will pay it. To, to be disappointed in our 3D conversion as opposed to filming it in native 3D. And you know, luckily, they have moved away from that stupid trend of converting everything. I remember Alice in Wonderland gave me a headache, but it made a billion dollars because of the upcharge for, for 3D viewing. So they right. think, oh, people really want to see this. Well, no, you're selling fewer tickets. You're just selling them at a more expensive rate. You actually have less people seeing your movie, but more people paying for it. Or people paying more for it. So, but yeah, that's where this that's where this budget went, and that stupid CG mask. Oh, why? My gosh. Well, they I understood why they wanted to make a CG costume. Campbell said that they didn't want it to look like it was made from worldly cloth. I okay, I get that. It's it's a it's it's otherworldly. But why yeah, do you I mean, have to make him look so skinny? Ryan Reynolds I mean, is the, a fit fella. The suit is. Yeah, it's got like piping all over it, and the piping has like a slow trail of green of a different shade. 
you know, that, so it looks like it's active of some sort, but yeah, the mask, what the hell were they doing? And well, when you see people like Tumin, Tumoray and Kilowog on the different planets, your brain does not have anything to reference when it comes to those characters. So when you tell me it's a fish man with bird legs and a giant pig dude with uh, the late uh, Clark Duncan's voice, I believe mm -hmm. it. I have nothing to compare it to. So my brain says, yes, I accept that. But when you show me Ryan Reynolds and you put him in a green suit with a stupid green slick mask on his face, my brain goes, that's not Ryan Reynolds. That is a CG looking dumb dumb. I, 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 I reject your ideas. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to see it. They would have been better off making it a cloth suit because the you know suit designs have come a long way and people believe the, the suit design and it has a tendency of following the actual contours and curves of the human body better than a CG, you know, some sort of CG artist can do. And they they should have just put that that green mask should have just been like a, a Robin's mask and that he just I would have been better off with him wearing a mask with a strap on it. Well, it's, yeah. From like a it, Halloween spirit store. It's a very, it, it's just distracting the whole time. It's like, the, and not of like, oh, that thing's, it. it's just, why? 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 Every time you see him as Green Lantern, it's like, why? why? This wasn't, okay. That's but terrible. this, there, there's a lot of things within this universe that they can't even keep straight. Mm-mm. So, like, for instance, they say the ring will tell you when there's trouble, you know, like it flashes or something. And that's when you know something's going to go down. And yet numerous times throughout the film, we see bad things happen that the ring never alerts him to. Like when he gets jumped in the alley, the ring didn't do anything. No, he's getting in his car and these guys sucker punch him from behind. The ring did not help him whatsoever. Even Sir was being chased by Parallax. The ring didn't say anything. So that was wrong. They also, at one point in time, say that, you know, Abe, I don't know why Aben Sir picked you. Well, he didn't. The ring did. <laughs> he just said, go out and find a guy. But what happens is after Hal Jordan gets the costume, he's once again sucked up in a green orbit. This time, boom, he's flying across the cosmos past astronauts, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, why were the mtv astronauts out there two astronauts are doing a spacewalk and he goes zipping by in his green cloud and they just like turn a little bit and go hmm. huh that, that, that happened here you got the other spanner wrench maybe those are the maybe those were the same astronauts from moonfall <laughs> Oosh. so he gets zipped over to this planet has no idea what's going on and they're Oa. It's spelled O-A, pronounced Oa. And they're told now, he learns all of the backstory of being a Green Lantern. This is the highest honor in all of the universe. Anybody selected to be a Green Lantern understands the magnificence of this. And they make it seem as if, wow, there's like a handful of people get picked. There, There's a scene where there has to be 100,000 Green Lanterns depicted. Yeah. He asked, why are there so many? And he said, well, you are one, your universe is one of 2,363 universes or whatever inside your own galaxy. And there are thousands of galaxies. 
all contained in the same number of people. He said, and each one has a, each sector has a different. Um, right. I, a, I mean, I a different lantern in it. I get it. I mean, it, sure, on sheer numbers, but it, it dilutes the import of it. You know, it's almost like saying, "Wow, it's it's the highest honor to be chosen homecoming king." But if you bring every single homecoming king from every single high school in America. You're going to fill up about five football stadiums, and the impact of the specialness of it is lost just on the sheer volume. But they're they're going now. We get the training sequence, of course. Got to go through all of that, and they keep talking about how it's almost a dishonor that somebody from Earth is a Green Lantern. You're such a young species, and you're so immature and so stupid, and you don't understand the magnificence of this. Well, why the hell did Aven Sir go to Earth to pick somebody then? Why was he traveling? Why was he traveling to Earth or near Earth when Parallax attacked him? I mean, there's no. And here's my problem with this: they say Parallax is traveling the cosmos, and he had just sucked the fear out of every living soul on a planet. And that planet didn't have its own defender, is what they said. And so they were out there, Sir was Avon Sir was out there looking for him. And he's like, Well, he's going to Earth, and if he if he succeeds in consuming Earth, then he will become undefeatable with his yellow fear energy. But why has he got to go to Earth? If there are I... hundreds of thousands of societies, and there's clear that there are a handful of them that are not protected by a lantern, why not go after one of them? Well, fear is my guess, I, fear is like the big thing. Like the the Green Lanterns do not have fear. That's oh, the one you, thing. Can you imagine if Parallax had come here during the last two years of, of COVID? Woo! <laughs> he would that never brother, leave. That brother would have just, he just walked in and just destroyed this place. I mean, yeah, I mean, like he went to a golden corral on the opening hour. It's all for me. All of this. Everybody but I guess, wearing a mask in their car by themselves would be gone. Yeah. So he, I guess that Parallax eats fear and that makes him stronger and bigger and growing and yada, yada, yada. But that's like saying, okay, Earth is the weakest planet going and their fear is not, it would have been like eating cheese puffs, really. I don't think he'd become this massive, powerful force that could then turn on the Green Lanterns as a result. I'm not seeing it, but that's just me. But what's, what's weird about the yellow fear that doesn't make sense, and and they don't, this is where I think it's, it separates itself from the comics. They, they try to explain how Parallax is feeding on fear. But in the comics, uh, the yellow does represent fear. And it doesn't feed off of fear. It's just powered by fear. It doesn't destroy people. Right? And like Green Lanterns. But Green they're... Lantern is powered by will. They don't mm-hmm. suck everybody's will out of their body to make it happen. Yeah. So why does fear suck out everybody else's, you know? Plot convenience? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It had to make him terrible. But now we get to the villain side. You know there's more than just two light, right? Oh, yeah. There's like, what, six, I think, altogether? There's, there's uh, red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet, black, white, ultraviolet, green. The emotional electromagnetic spectrum is what it's called. But they they keep saying like you know green is the color of will. Like I I thought it was envy. <laughs> that was money. 
I'm shows you what I know. Now the um the alien body of Avon Sir now has been acquired by the military complex and they have him in a kind of like a hyperbaric glass chamber and they tab scientist Hector Hammond to analyze him. This is a guy that's living in a hovel of an apartment. Basically, he looks like one of these guys you'd see on hoarders. But the military knocks on his door. You're needed by your country, Mr. Hammond. They don't tell him anything. Basically, kidnap the guy, bring him to this facility, throw him in a chamber, and then he meets another doctor. Amanda Waller, who explains they found this alien, and he's the only one because of his special skills that can analyze him. What are his skills? They don't tell us. Very underutilized Angela Bassett. He just has, uh, he, he's a doc. He's the only person on the planet that can analyze alien species, of course. Now, they've said this is the first time they've ever caught an alien species. So how does this guy get the training to be the only person on the planet to analyze an alien when they've never done this before? Moving on. Yeah, that's as far as they go with that. Um, <clears throat> so in the course of performing an autopsy, he's digging into the chest of Amon Sir. And by the way, before we get off of uh, Amanda Waller and Angela Bassett, do you know who that character was supposed to be? No idea. And and some of the original earlier drafts, uh, that character was going to be represented by the president of the United States. His name was going to be President Scott. President Scott's first name was going to be Alan. Alan Scott was the very first Green Lantern ever in the comic books, going all the way back to the Silver Age of the comics. That character was going to be played by Pierce Bronson. And at the end of the movie, President Scott was going to reveal himself to Hal Jordan as a former member of the Green Lantern Corps and then uh, take him under his wing to tell him, show him how that was supposed to work. That now, sounds more interesting. And well, somehow this, all that got cut. All this, this also would have justified Abram Sir going to Earth in the first place. Because at least they hadn't established Green Lantern that he knew about. Well, and they knew they said there was never any humans prior to to Hal, so they would have had to rewrite that line and that whole line right. of thinking and why they hate him because he's, you know, a human. But um, yeah, that that would have made more sense. But hey, it would have been a better it would have been a better story. Can't have President that in this film, and and it would have had Pierce Bronson, which I like, so I would have been okay <laughs> with that. But um, ah, geez. So they so they bring in Hammond, Hector Hammond, and he's operating on the doing the autopsy, and his finger hits something in the chest of Aben Sir. He pulls it out and it's glowing yellow for a moment. He's now been corrupted by fear. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, that's how that happened. Because we've already been told that the Green Lanterns don't have fear. So why would the most preeminent Green Lantern have fear embedded in his chest for somebody well, to he trick got, his finger with. Earlier in the film, he got hit with a fear bolt. Uh, I, I don't know if that's what it's called, but that's what I'm calling it. From Parallax as he was like diving down into his ship, trying to get into the oh, escape so, pod. So he and there got, was a piece of fear left in him. That was a, that was what wounded him right. fatally. 
was fear yep. and and there was a trace element of fear in him okay well this manages to gradually infect hector hammond to the point that he becomes eric stoltz in mask his skull just swells up and he looks like kind of a hobo version of megamind almost scraggly hair with like a double-sized skull that's deformed and all kinds of random telekinesis skills and things of this sort he could read people's thoughts he can read their memories well here's your problem here right is that they essentially took this idea of hector hammond and giving him this big giant head they kind of stole it from the incredible hulk which came out three years prior when tim blake nelson plays plays that weird guy that uh, you know, the scientist has been communicating with uh, Bruce Banner and he comes over there and gets some of Bruce's blood dripped onto a, a cut on his head and his head starts to grow and pulsate. Well, he's turned into a character called the leader. They've done nothing with it. With it. They were supposed to do something with the leader of the She-Hulk series and that didn't happen. But they've essentially done with Hector Hammond what Marvel was uh, going to do with Samuel Stearns as the leader. It's the same character, the same type of deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's a lot of a lot of things lifted for this movie, but uh, you know. But I will say he's comic accurate. But like, how com- many times in the movie did we hear, you know, with great responsibility comes? Whoa, whoa, whoa that's Spider-Man's line, dude. You can't use that. <laughs> but like three or four times a year, about it. it's like, yeah, yeah, I got great responsibility. I understand. <laughs> Come on. That's Marvel you're lifting from, too, guys. Jeez. I, I so, will say, though, he, he's comic accurate. All right. I mean, I get it, but he's comic accurate. Um, when he's sitting in a little wheelchair moving around at the end of the movie with a big old giant head, <laughs> that's lifted straight from the comics. I think I I think Hector Hammond's character may have may have uh, debuted prior to the leader's character, but they are essentially the same character. And it's not uncommon for Marvel and DC to rip characters off of each other. Oh, no, absolutely. It's taken place quite frequently. Yep. What? Captain Elastic and Mr. Fantastic. So right there. Hmm. No, give me a Plastic Man movie. That's what I want. (laughs) The cartoon was amazing. Give me a Plastic Man movie. So now we've got our all our primary characters established. We have to bring them together for some reason. Hey, how about a gigantic party in which Ferris Industries and the government have, I guess, kissed and made up and decided to sign the contract after all? Uh, and that's why I say that when she goes, you that whole scene where they're in their office and everybody's yelling at him and getting mad because he's ruined their contract and she comes by and just kind of whipsily blows it away. Like it's fine. Well, why are y'all so mad then? <laughs> but they made it such a huge deal about that. And then all of a sudden they didn't cancel the contract. They're signing the contract. Why? No explanation. Okay. Well then why would you invite the guy that almost killed the contract to the party celebrating the contract? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Hal's invited. She's there. As is Hector Hammond. Why? Well, because Senator Hammond is his father, and he's the one signing the contract with the company. So there you go. 
Ferris, Hammond, Hal Jordan, they're all connected now, and they're all at this same outdoor party where the senator lands his helicopter about 15 feet away from everybody. Doesn't doesn't blow the tables away or anything of the sort. <laughs> Literally, his helicopter lands on the pavers where they're holding this party. So they they celebrate. Everybody raises a glass, cheers, yada, yada. Cool, okay. Senator has to leave now. And as the helicopter lifts off, Hector has been affected by the parallax fear infusion. And he's really starting to resent his father because he could read his thoughts and his dad keeps thinking to himself, huh, my son is just such a loser, son of a bitch. Hey, son, how you doing? This kid just pisses me off. What's going on, son? Love you to death, and I mean it. So Hector is all resentful. And as his dad is lifting off, he looks at the tail rotor, and he hatches a plan. He then looks at the bar and has one of the draft towers telekinesis propelled upward into the rotor in order to crash the helicopter. And who takes off in a helicopter that close to all your all all the party's attendees? Every single person should have been blasted against the windows. There was zero downdraft. None. <laughs> None. None. This this helicopter and I'm literally over the audience and nobody's affected, even having their hair messed up. But then suddenly the chopper starts going screwy, going haywire. It's gonna crash into everybody. It actually does crash into the middle of the party without hitting a single person somehow. And then Hal Jordan shows up as Green Lantern. His solution, as the chopper is blasting full speed through the audience, he uses the ring to convert it into some bizarre-looking hot rod. And then... The hot Wheels toy. And then start running up a Hot Wheels track of his own creation above the audience. Now, we the, didn't bring it up, but at the 11-year-old's birthday party, when he leaves the, the kid's room, he's got a... There's a racetrack there, a Hot Wheels racetrack, and he pushes a button, it runs around through a loop, and then flies right. out. That's That's called foreshadowing, Paul. That's a dramatic technique. <laughs> <laughs> that was Chekhov's Hot Wheel track. If you show a Hot Wheel track in the first act, you have to show it again later in the movie, I guess. So he uses the power of his ring and his imagination to create a track. Now the hot rod is moving forward on the track, going above the crowd, not crashing into people. But then at some point there's a gap in the track and it jumps over the crowd and he has to create more track for it to land on and keep going until it comes to a stop safely. Vroom, 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 vroom. It was the dumbest scene. Now understand, he, he's already had his power explained to him that anything that he can think of and imagine, he can produce with the ring. I'm producing a big old giant green Godzilla is going to catch the catch the helicopter in its mouth and set it down safely or a big old giant sloppy puppy dog or how about how about a gorilla that grabs it or how about just like a giant air mattress that you you created it and you cradle it down to the ground a Hot Wheels toy that just runs around in circles I don't understand it I don't understand it um I understand it I mean, this movie was limited by the imagination of its screenwriters. 
I'll tell you exactly why this transpired. Because there was a Green Lantern Hot Wheels track tie-in. No. This was product placement for the film. Oh my gosh, you're right. The Hot Wheels Green Lantern Energy track. So this entire scene was product placement. <laughs> this stupid, asinine, nonsensical, makes no sense scene was because they had to do a product tie-in with Hot Wheels. But they had already had a product tie-in with Hot Wheels in the kid's bedroom. Not on this scale, Paul. So there is... Yeah, they they created uh, Green Lantern cars. There's a track, all of it. So yeah, this is this is why this asininery took place on camera. All right. Well, so how in the process of things saves the girl as they should have. Hey, they should have just at the end of that scene gone. Green Lantern will be right back after these commercial messages. (laughs) (laughs) But. there was some destruction that took place in the big towering facade almost crashed down on Carol Ferris, but he used his green force field to protect her and such. And then he flies off and everybody's like, Oh my, who was that mysterious green masked man? Then later he shows up at Carol's house. She looks out her picture window overlooking the city and there's a green guy floating it was a pretty damn disturbing image. <laughs> I mean, she turns around and he's just like 10 feet off the balcony, just hovering there, staring into her window. Creeper. But she comes walking out and they're having, and he, he's trying to play it off like she won't figure it out. He's like, just wanted to check on you, ma'am. Wanted to make sure, ma'am, that you were okay. And everything was okay, ma'am. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm so thankful. And then she's like, wait a second. You're hell. Gee, you think so? The mask that covers only 20% of his face threw you off. I mean, he looks like Ryan Reynolds with green eye makeup, basically. And you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that scene and I'm thinking, there's no way they're going to try to play this off like she doesn't recognize him. I mean, it's bad enough that Clark Kent wears glasses and nobody knows that he's Superman. But they're going to say that that's not Ryan Reynolds. I mean, they don't even give him a helmet. He's not covered the top of his head up. Ryan Reynolds is a very distinct face. Yeah, it's not much of a mystery. But then then they play it off, and she's like, I've seen you naked. Did you think I'm not going to recognize you through a a flimsy mask? Yeah. (laughs) She ad-libbed that line. But it took you five minutes to get there, honey. So I'll give her credit for that. She ad-libbed that whole line. All right, well, let's see. Okay, we have to get back to the government facility now. Um, Hector's anger is really getting the best of him and he starts lashing out at everybody. So his, his dad, he makes him hover, drops him into the tube capsule that used to hold the alien, but now straps him in there. The doctor, he throws her up against a window of a control room about 20 feet off the ground. And she just sticks there. Like she crashes into the window and it's spider webs, you know, when it cracks. And then she just stays there. Like he can make him hover in place. So he's going banshee 
in the government facility. How did Hal Jordan know about this? Like, there was no indication at all that the Green Lantern should be hip to what's happening inside this facility. But maybe, the, was... ring, maybe the ring told him off screen. <laughs> so couldn't tell him when he got jumped in the alley by the three randos. You know, there there was that scene where um, these, these are guys that used to work at Ferris, but have been laid off because the contract wasn't signed. So they jump him in the alley after the party. Every single car in this alley has a, a car alarm. So at some point in time, he uses the ring to like make a fist or something and, and hit but all the guys. He, yeah, he did it on accident. He was going to throw a, a handful of nails at their face. It looked like that's what he was going to do. And instead, he punched them. Ends up killing them all, I think. But then like every car There's starts. There's no way they survived. He threw one into a brick wall. But the alarms are going off and the lights are flashing. I think I even saw a tow truck that had a car alarm. Okay. So... I guess that, yeah, maybe the ring told them we have to take this on faith, though, because in the midst of this, um, all of a sudden, a hole blasts in the wall and in comes Green Lantern to save the day. Well, not really, because it basically turns out he and Hector have almost the same level of power to the point that they both collapse next to each other. Which was really weird. Dumb. <laughs> I mean... And Hal's like doubled over in pain. Hector just starts laughing. And then he touches his forehead and he can get memories from him and figure out that he's in love with the girl. So now, well, she's imperiled. Uh, this is just, at this point, a, a slog to get through. Meanwhile, what's going on with the other Green Lanterns, Paul? Uh... They banded together to try to stop parallax oh that's right yeah yeah they're flying through space so they've basically together reach your arms out and they create a green net to hold parallax in place so okay so here's another problem we've already seen the scene we've already had the scene where we see tens of thousands of of lanterns and he says let me take my finest warriors where aren't all of them supposed to be the finest warriors? Isn't that like the whole point of their existence? Is that they're the finest warriors that can be... Like, I get that there might be one better than the other, but what like the difference be between all of them being tens and then some of them going to 11? <laughs> well, how about this? You've got Does that this make sense? You've got this nefarious fear-eating source that you're trying to contain. All right, granted. Full disclosure, I'm not a Green Lantern myself, but maybe, how about more than eight guys? You've got tens of thousands on your damn planet. Uh, That's let's, my other point. Let's send out a crowd to maybe do this, huh? <laughs> now, 12, yeah. 12 is our maximum. Yeah, uh, that's, well, that's all that fits inside the Hot Wheels bus. <laughs> I, I was guessing there must have been some kind of union restriction here. I don't know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> You've shown us a planet where it was just coated with green lanterns. It works off seniority. Use them. I mean, geez. So they're trying to hold Parallax back. Can't. And then Parallax uh, sucks the fear out of the guys that are supposed to not have fear. I have questions. But if they don't have fear, how did they suck the fear out of them? But yeah, the... So 
So some of them have fear. Those are his finest warriors, and they have fear. Yeah. There you go. Now, again, these people have been around. They're they're claiming that they've ruled the universe for millennia. They're the, they're basically the galaxy cops. But they have this tendency of bad things lingering. So instead of killing Parallax, you know, they lock Parallax in a planet and ooh, he got out. They also have this forbidden zone of fear that's like a churning cauldron of fire or some such. It's the central core, the central battery. Why would you have that, though? <laughs> I mean... You, you, all, the entire movie's lecturing us on how bad fear is, and you don't have fear, and we don't need fear, and nobody has fear here, except we've got this churning cauldron of fear that we keep on the of, side. Of yellow fear. Well, they explain that slightly by showing one of the guardians, you know, with his his pole being broken, that he, he moved away from his throne or whatever. Well, he that tried, was... Try to yeah. conquer the fear. They created fear. They said, uh, we knew that will would be insufficient to power all the all the lanterns so we decided to go after the next harshest i mean why they wouldn't go with captain planet's love i mean i i would assume love over overcomes fear but they went with fear as the next most powerful thing I mean, the power of love huey lewis sang about it it's the power of love come well, on they, man what they were saying was they were thinking of using fear as a tool to go after like parallax or something so it's like the only well the only thing to use is fear itself but then they they found out there was a central flaw to this there was a weakness to it so we decided to scrap that plan well it was it was uncontrollable you can't control fear but then but daredevil they, is who they should have had to be the ring bearer he's the man without fear I've solved the problem. Uh, but different universe, Paul. That's Marvel. Uh, can't it. have that. Can't have that crossover. So we have to. Well, steal I don't know. Daredevil was played by Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck is now Batman, and he's now in that universe. He can be the Man Without Fear. Boom. Give me another problem. I'll solve it right now. What do you got? <laughs> so I love you, man. You're an idea guy. This is good. <laughs> so that. After scrapping the fear idea, they decided to leave this fear cauldron going. And at best, one of the elders hit upon himself to go rogue. And he was going to be the lone individual to forge a fear ring. And then he fell prey to it. And then he became Parallax. This is all the backstory now. And now Parallax wants to get even with the other elders. Why? They don't. Like, he did this on his own. It wasn't like they cast him aside or punished him or something. He broke free of them to do the fear thing. And then when it failed, why is he mad at them? You know, this is your screw-up. You did this, but this is the entire motivation now. Parallax is trying to get at the elders that rule the planet of Green Lanterns. Are you trying... (laughs) You're starting to feel how hard it is to care a damn about this movie. Not even a little bit. That, <laughs> and that's, that's the problem. So, 
basically now um, Sinestro, who I guess has been elevated to the top Green Lantern now, he's kind of done with Hal Jordan. He's like, I get, be off. You go to Earth. You do your Earth thing. I'm sick of you now. Hal has supposedly quit the Green Lantern Corps, although he kept the ring and still uses the ring to do stuff. Then he finds out Earth is imperiled. He goes back to the Green Lantern planet. And somehow out of thousands and thousands of Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan, the one Green Lantern they all hate, is able to walk right into the center circle of the elders with no problem. I'm thinking security maybe needs to be stepped up on this planet of police, but that's just me. And he pleads with them now, Earth is imperiled and you need to save Earth because then if you save Earth, you can fight Parallax. And they're all just like, bugger off. We're done with you guys. You're, you're Earthlings. We don't give a rat's ass. And Hal's solution is he embraces fear, but conquers over it because that's the Earth way. That's right. You overcome your fear. Like, how are the humans the only ones to even think about the thing? Is everybody so, like, binary that it's there's no gray areas when it comes to, yes, you can overcome your fear? It almost feels as if they've broken. Well, no, he explains it to them. No, but I mean, like, it's like, it's as if they broke these other species the same way they did... Um, the different emotions. Was that movie? What was that movie by uh, Pixar? Inside Out. Inside Out. They do the same thing with Inside Out, right? She's got basic emotions, and they all are separate from each other. And it wasn't until she gets to be a teenage girl that those emotions, she hasn't lost them. They just they've developed into something else. She has both fear and love. She has both, you know, rage and love uh, you know whatever everything's attached to love well he these characters humans can do it apparently because he can have both will and the ability to overcome his fear at the same time but nobody well, that was you missed a big moving lecture from him because he said we have a saying on earth i'm only human well yeah you would have that saying because you're from earth dummy also, usually you use that line when you screw something up. It doesn't mean I'm brave and can conquer fear. <laughs> yeah, I'm only human. Why did you lift that car off that off that dying child? Because I'm only human. No, it's like, um, Hal, why did you crash the test flight and ruin it for us all? Hey, 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 I'm only human, guys. Only human. That's, that's when you uncork it, after you mm -hmm. screw up hard. But this... Um, I mean, look like Forrest Gump ran into the Vietnam forest and tracked out all of his people over and over and over again because he was <laughs> only human. But this um, this insipid little speech kind of convinces the elders. They're basically saying, we've been around for millennia. You people are young. We're not listening to you. So you can go do your own thing and we'll find out if it works or not. But we're not going to sponsor you, basically. So how did he even get up to the highest citadel where those guys were located? That's what I was saying. It's like he just marches right in. Him, he walks in, he's like hits Sinestro on the back. He's like, "Hey, what's going on, bud? I want to talk to your bosses here, if I can." Yo, old guys. That'd be like somebody from Twitter just walking up to Elon Musk. Elon Musk, where he's at the perch, <laughs> yeah. and saying, "You like looking into the faces of all the people you're about to lay off." It's like a guy in the mailroom just walks into Elon Musk's office and is like, "We need an edit button." We we need an edit button. But uh, they basically say, uh, you're on your own, buddy. 
And, you know, even Sinestro is just like, you're going to die. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to die trying. That's the, yes, yes, hell, do it. So he goes, um, he has a confrontation of sorts with Hector in airplane hangar. He's got the girl floating up in the rafters with a syringe of uh, evil fear pressed to her neck. Now, why didn't Hal Jordan use his ring then? Well, that was a, it was a, it was really close to her throat. So I don't know if the ring was uh, fast enough to keep it from happening, but you know what that syringe, it was a syringe full of fear, but you know what was in it? No. COVID vaccine. Oh, yes. Boom. Threatened her with a booster. Got it. (laughs) But he had this thing on her neck for like five minutes. At any point in time, Hal could have conjured up, I don't know, like a Hot Wheels loop-de-loop that would have sucked it in and thrown it to the side or something, you know? I mean, Hot Wheels loop-de-loop. You know, have a truck come off a track, knock it off, and then spin off. I don't know, something creative like that could have happened doesn't do it hot wheels but now hector's basically acting on behalf of parallax meanwhile parallax is arriving on earth and sucking fear out of people and killing him shows up at the airplane hangar i don't think hector reverend i don't think hector references parallax like ever not really. I mean, he's, it's not like they were communicating, but then Parallax comes in like through the windows and everything else. Like you have failed me. It's like, what? how you've never when talked you to ta- the guy before. Although, when did you task him with something? <laughs> it was, it's like, he's not I, your, he's not your acolyte. Dude. I think I got to go check my existed till he shoved his hand inside of a purple alien. You never told me. Let me check my spam filter because I never got anything from you about what I'm supposed to do on Earth. I'm just acting on my own here. I'm pissed off at Dad and Hal because I wanted the girl and Hal's good looking and stuff, I guess. I don't know. But but now Parallax is disappointed in you. You've let me down. Okay. <laughs> then he sucks his fear skeleton out of him. Why was the skeleton going out with the fear? I get why they sucked out yellow. Okay. Well, let the skeleton come. <laughs> well, it, it, there was also the dumb scene where he's talking about how I wanted the girl. It's like, okay, I'll tell you what. You give me the girl. I'll give you the ring. You could do anything with this ring. You can make anything happen with this ring. It's your ring. Take it. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do something good with it. And then he tries to kill Hal, but then the green force stops because Hal informs him the ring didn't choose you it chose me <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense because he was able to turn around and shoot a building he yeah. shot a hole in the wall which was a plot device it was a, a matter of story convenience because it needed to be used just a couple of minutes later by carol ferris to get over there and i guess you can just charge up a missile they keep those things loaded and locked and whatever well she had launch codes memorized by the way yeah, she had to pull it up on the computer. You don't have to go in there and arm those missiles. They just leave them in the, leave yeah. them fully armed all the time, and no manual pulls on there to, you know, keep them not armed. But uh, yeah, so Parallax is in the hangar now. This amorphous smoke cloud of an entity, 
that can be repelled by Tomahawk missiles, apparently. So she shoots Parallax. He makes a face and leaves the hangar now. Kind of upset. Like, people are mean. I'm out of here. Later. Clears out. Um, jeez, oh, I'm just trying to even wrap my head around this enough to get us over the finish line. We're right there. We're um, right there. So now Hal comes up with a plan that he needs to lure Parallax away himself. From Earth. Right. So he becomes Green Lantern again. He retrieves the, the ring from Hal's skeleton. Becomes Green Lantern. Parallax is like, ha, 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 I'm on it, buddy. You're mine. Not the entire planet of fear that he wanted to eat. And that's why he showed up. He's going after one guy. Well, at first he was going after that one school bus driver. Yeah, yeah, she she was the linchpin to the entire plan for some reason. Like Who is she? The, what did she, she do? She fell on the ground and turned around and was watching. And he's like, ooh, someone's looking at me. Coming at you next, lady. <laughs> you are mine. So Hal flies off, lures Parallax across the solar system. Parallax can't seem to catch him, though. And then uh, Hal flies through... Uh, the asteroid belt of Saturn, I believe it was, right? Is that what that I was supposed to assume is? I guess. He was it, well, no, because he's headed towards the sun. Well, this is my question, yeah. I was like, wait, you were just on Saturn, and th- then he turns a corner, and they're like on the precipice of the sun? How did you, what? But I'm Googling asteroid belts between <laughs> the Earth and the sun. So, so basically now we're in the middle of space and this is the big confrontation, Hal and the massive parallax. At some point in time, he uses his ring to conjure up two jet fighters that fly into parallax's mouth and then fly around parallax and then goes back to Hal and is holding him back with ropes or something. What the hell was going on here? Hey, well, would you look, look at this? There is an asteroid belt located between Mars and Jupiter. So that's a little bit closer Son of than a gun. Saturn? Yeah. Well, Mars is, <laughs> well, he'd have to go by Mars, so Mars <laughs> on the way to the sun. Mars is closer. It is one astronomical unit away. Oh, 2.2 and 3.2, actually. One AU um, is the distance between the Earth and the sun, so... I'm uh, yeah, I'm still not buying this. It's 92 they, million miles wide. I'm just saying they were on the doorstep of the sun rather quickly is my point. So I'm not buying it, but I'm trying to figure out it, it was it. I, I didn't understand what the jets were doing after a while. Cause they were facing away from him behind him. Like they were holding him back or something. So what happens here is Kilowog tells him during training that be careful that you fly, you don't fly too close to the sun because the larger you are, the, the harder it pulls your gravitation, pulls you, you know, into the gravity of the sun, which is again right. more foreshadowing. It, and it's a stupid amount of foreshadowing. He could just say, look, don't be like Icarus and fly too close to the sun or it will grab you and suck you in. It's just like you're a large object. Well, he's clearly, he's only 6'2, he's not a large object, he's just an object. Like it's a space shuttle or an Empire State Building or some nonsense. 
So that that part of the training didn't make much sense. You could just say, don't fly close to the sun. So what he did is he flew to the edge of the sun's gravitational pull against himself, knowing that it couldn't pull him all the way in because the ring was keeping him out. Then he constructed two jet fighters because, again, his, the rider's imaginations are limited, and all he could think of was to use two jet I'm producing 15 million jet fighters all pulling me at the same time, or I'm producing like a Saturn V Saturn V five rocket. That's got more thrust. Than okay. These but two giant engines. And it was but, supposed to be pulling him away from the gravitational pull. So this is where my head was at. Okay. He brought himself to event horizon that what, like if you go just a little bit further, you get sucked in. So he's like right, right on the edge and they're pulling him back. Okay. Except between him and the sun is parallax which is a far larger entity, which would have more gravitational pull applied to it. Well, that's what happened. He he was. But it was he, he it was sun, stationary. The sun. Well, you had the sun, then Hal, and then Parallax coming at them both. And well, no, Parallax Hal, was between him and the sun. No, that was that was before. Because he was facing Parallax, and the jets were flying backwards. That was after. Him. The jets pulled him past, and the gravitational pull grabbed a hold of Parallax and sucked him down towards the sun. And he kept trying to like get at Hal, but the uh, the jets were keeping him at at Event Horizon. Right, but I'm saying that Parallax still should have been sucked in because he's a bigger and heavier entity than Hal, so he should have been gone already. I Unless mean, I... was he exerting enough force to counteract? He was trying to, but it, it, even the his fear bolts weren't able to leave his mouth. That's how much you know gravity is on the sun. Would have made more sense if it was like near a black hole or something. But it's making my head hurt. But look, I tell you what. Let me. I'm gonna go ahead and tweet right now. I'm gonna tweet. Where is it? Uh, but here's where it all falls apart, anyway. So we Neil see. Degr hey, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> yes. Does he ever debunk this movie? Can you explain the science? I'm literally sending this right now. Can you explain the science behind parallax being pulled into the sun? In Green Lantern. And not Hal Jordan. In the 2011 hit Green Lantern. You know, I'm I'm picturing <laughs> NDT now like teaching a class and his phone goes off and he's like, "We're gonna release everybody early because I got to take this." Now, if I, I just find a a GIF of him being pulled into the sun. I have to. I have to address this astrophysics error on Twitter. So uh, read the next chapter for tomorrow, folks. Here we go. There we go. All right. But here's the other problem in this scene then, because right before the final conflict, he waves his arms down, basically cutting off the two jet fighters. So that means he would be pulled into the sun, except he's not, because he then uses the ring to form a gigantic fist that punches <laughs> Parallax. And that's what pushes him over the edge. And like, that again, sends him into Event Horizon. 
Why would you just make it like? Well, how is he constructing? Because every time he constructs something else, the thing, the first thing he constructed goes away. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the jet fighters dis dissipated, which means they weren't pulling him anymore, which means he should have had his ass pulled into the sun. But instead, he does this giant fizz. I mean, this, this should have been one of, like, those cartoon mallets. <laughs> yes. Bong. That would have made more sense. <laughs> it would have at least looked the same. So Parallax then, like, wails and starts to get pulled into the sun and dies like doing the job. Jack or something. So now we have to believe Hal Jordan accomplished the one thing that the entirety of the Green Lantern Corps was never able to do for all these years. And not only that, but was able to do it with the knowledge that the Green Lantern Corps gave him during training. Yes. So, like, they knew it, but never tried to do it. And then You're telling this... me that nobody ever tried to fly it, fly him into the sun. And then we get the final conclusion, which pissed me off no end. Hal Jordan punches Parallax out, knocks him into the sun. Then he himself is now, I guess, so weak that he just kind of passes out and is floating, is about to get sucked into the sun, except all these green tendrils reach out and wrap around him and pull him back in. It was their Spider-Man 2 uh, subway scene. He passes out after saving everybody on the subway. Yeah. Perfect. Another thing they stole. Mm -hmm. So what's going on here? Well, it turns out Sinestra was there the whole time watching. Never mm -hmm. once Never help. helped. So he's watching all this play out. He sees all this happening. And then when he's almost sucked into the sun, only then does Sinestra do anything. Dude, you could have helped out 30 minutes ago. Yeah. They like so much. Tobin Ray, somebody. Yeah, and they're like, hey, okay, we were just watching to see if you could pull it off. Congrats, dude. That was awesome. And like, what, are you going to go back now and take credit for it? What the, you sons of bitches. You were here the whole time? <laughs> you I know mean, what this movie was missing? It's missing, <laughs> it's missing one very important thing. Okay. <laughs> Copious amounts of the F word. <laughs> and the n-word you know how they could have fixed that <laughs> by, by hiring quentin quentin tarantino to be the director that almost happened that was on the table at one point yes at one point he was going to be the director and i don't know maybe <laughs> they had they could, once they edited out all his f and n-words they just decided to uh there was nothing left yeah. of the script I'm going to punch that N-word right into the sun. <laughs> and for some reason, unrelated, uh, Samuel L. Jackson just kind of shows up as a random, <laughs> random catter. I'm sick of these mother effing parallaxes in my mother effing universe. Mother effing green lanterns all over the place. <laughs> and you shall know his wrath. <laughs> but it's... He's out there courting Ezekiel. But this is where things get truly funny. At one point in the film, Sinestro was suggesting they forge a yellow ring so they can tap into that fear. fear. Yeah. And they they waved off that idea and said, no, 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 it's we didn't no, we don't need to do that. However, after 
our conclusion and everything. We get a shot of Sinestro. The top half of him is yellow. He has the yellow ring on and then he looks at the camera and his eyes turn yellow. Well, and that was kind of a setup for the, the comic book fans because in the comics, he is the leader of the yellow corpse. The yellow corps, he, he leads them. And so when you see him in, as a Green Lantern, everybody's like at some point he's going to become a bad guy. And he is sort of a bad guy, sometimes an anti-hero, but most of the times he's uh, Hal Jordan's enemy. Uh, not all lanterns are created the same, so not everybody is no, not everybody is good. He's a lower wattage. And they thought that this was going to kick off a whole universe of people and heroes. And because it did so poorly, they you know they scrapped it and they went with Man of Steel, which by the way, Zack Snyder was was in line to direct this thing at one point, but he was doing Watchmen at the time. So we could have seen this movie like the Hot Wheels car could have been done in slow motion. <laughs> with many camera pans and scenes and angles could have been awesome it just it was just funny to see a movie fail so spectacularly and yet have this little teaser at the end for the sequel that's never going to happen well, and, uh, well, and they did one for um they put a couple of extra little things in there so like they show a, a sign for central city in this movie and central city is the home of the flash so they were hoping to tie the flash in at some point. Uh, when he hands him that jet, the, the, when Hal Jordan hands his nephew that jet for his birthday present, it's actually the same jet that Wonder Woman flies in, the invisible jet. Yeah, it's a clear crystal. This right, one's so, even better. Yeah, so they're throw they're they're doing that. They're they were trying to make slight references. I think that the only thing that would have made it better is they put like Wayne Industries on that satellite that he threw in the parallax at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is um th this was all of the dream the studio was going to use this as their launching pad for an expanded universe and it didn't even get off the launch pad well you know and i think the reason they try to use this this uh, third tier character is because marvel had done it with iron man in 2008 it was super successful i mean it yeah. literally iron man kicked off what nobody else could and they did it with a third tier character you know, everybody knows Captain America, Spider-Man, uh, well, Captain America and Spider-Man. That's who people know in the Marvel, the Marvel sense of things. The Incredible Hulk, but, you know, they didn't really do much with the universe until Iron Man came around. And they, they have legitimately developed an entire universe based on Iron Man. They were hoping to do that with Green Lantern. They had a better shot of doing that with Jonah Hex. <laughs> yes, this thing or, was. Or, or Constantine. This is how bad things got. As you said, this had a 200 million budget. Um, and one, they're saying now, I think it was Hollywood Reporter estimates that this lost 75 million for the studio. I'm thinking a lot more. Oh, because yeah, they probably spent 100 million easily on, on they did. promotion alone. They did. So you're looking at now a 300 mil outlay. Um, some had estimated that it had to gross globally about five to 550 million to break even. I'm pegging it closer to six. And it and, only, and it really only did like 45 million in domestic sales as far as like DVDs and Blu-ray. Right. So that's what two, that's on top of a two million gross. So they only pulled in 
maybe I, and if you start to factor in like cable and all those rights if anybody did buy them up all right so maybe they earned 200 million for the studio maybe maybe yikes this is this was a huge huge mess surpassed <laughs> later on by justice league which was a huge that thing lost hundreds of millions and failed to launch a studio so major major catastrophe all around as we said at the start warners and dc tough tough run of things well they've they've never really had proper people in place to deal and handle the universe jeff johns was okay but they never really listened to him too much he, he, jeff johns was supposed to be their kevin feige and and they warner brothers has a problem with letting go of control they hire these people and most of them are creative and they have talent or they wouldn't be doing their jobs but they won't like trust them so they go in and like with martin campbell they they re-edited that that whole sequence because it made more sense to them as a studio and a, and a and producers trust the people you've hired to do the job james gunn is now in, in control of the dceu do you see that no no but that's at least a step in the right direction they they, they hired him uh and he's going to be running dc studios and D, the D, dceu movies i don't know what that means for his his role as uh you know a, a filmmaker for marvel uh, he does have the guardians of the galaxy christmas special coming out this you know this like in a few weeks and he's got another uh guardians of the galaxy three that's coming out i think he has the ability to put his feet in in both both pools and play in them both if they'll let him do so i was going to say if they let him that's going to be the key there i mean the only he time DC... suicide squad i mean it's it's yeah. clearly dark and it's him that's what he does and if you let him go it's fine but he does fine with the other stuff too yeah, but Guardians is like a real big smash for him and what he's done with that. And the only time DC is actually able to have success is when they actually did let themselves go and gave Christopher Nolan full control. And look what he did with that Dark Knight series. That's right. Control good. They just need to let go and let these people do what it is they paid them to do. If you don't like what they've done when they've produced it, fire them and get somebody else but you're making it worse by meddling and wb has had a long history of meddling and not just this universe but like multiple universes of the stuff that they've done yep 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 but uh supposedly the uh the new people in control of the studio overall same ones that have taken control of cnn they they have a plan told so maybe down the road we'll find out Hopefully. But but this was our disaster this week. Recommend it. Uh, it's, yeah, this thing's a mess, top to bottom, start to finish. You will save her. And let's see. <laughs> this hey, in two weeks, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss something Thanksgiving related. It'll probably have a turkey involved in it. But let's hope that we have an update from Neil Tyson about his son explanation. Our people have reached out to his people. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul, where can people find some more of your content? Uh, I am still around Screen Rant, though I'm not doing much with them anymore. But you can find me active on uh, Twitter at Movie Paul. Come find me on TikTok. I'll be on there. I've got Get four videos. Yeah, four videos on TikTok. Oh, uh, you went to the dark side, didn't you? I did. Yeah. 
bound to happen, I suppose. I know. As for myself, you can see me daily over at uh, townhall.com with my media column there, also on the front page of Red State on the regular and also on this very network. Next Thursday, I'm going to be back here with Ordy Packard as he and I will go through all the important entertainment news on the culture shift. And Tuesday evenings, I'm here with the ever, ever Vesson Aggie Recon with our culture, leisure, sports, and other distractions on the cocktail lounge and if you need more of me than that let's face it you do if you head over to twitter you can find me at martini shark you can find me on instagram under my name under my podcast name liable sources also at truth gave up on parlor though i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be a party of yee's army the hell with that <laughs> did he buy that yeah, he bought himself into it. i don't know what a stake he's got in there but that's mostly i still get their emails i uninstalled the app a long time ago yeah, I've been. I tried to reuse it again a couple months ago. It's like there's zero activity over there. Like nothing's oh, happened. Nothing on there. Yeah. I, get, I mean, there's people on there, but it's like anything I put out, I don't get any response. No, nothing. It's like, what am I bothering? What do I care? So screw it. All right. Well, as Paul said, we will be back here in two weeks with another fun fiasco from Hollywood on disasters in the making.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.